during the series leading up to Easter about the resurrection. So I, I just kind of want to start with this. This, this, the, the beginning part of my message is this: Have you ever tried using a pickup line before? And I know what to think. What, what did I just hear Pastor Ann say that? And where are you going with this? Just, just bear with me. Have you ever tried using a pickup line? Pickup lines, if you, if you're honest, they're kind of corny, right? They're cheesy, but sometimes they're cute. But most of the times they're hilarious. They're funny. They're quite funny. And, and you know what? In, in fact, if you're out there and you're looking for to um, to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and uh, maybe they're the ones that God is calling you to, and you need some help, here's a pickup line that you could use. Give this a go. Okay, and, and try this. Okay, try this. And it goes like this. You know, you go up to them, you go, you, this is what you say to them. You say to them, you say to them, your father's a your father's a, a thief. And they go, What? Your father's a thief. He stole the stars from the sky and he put them into your eyes. Isn't that cool? No, <laughs> that's terrible. That is real corny. They, they don't use this. In fact, when I when I first met Portal, this is what I said to Portal. I said to Portal, Did it hurt? And she goes, Did what hurt? When you fell from heaven? Uh, and then we got married, and here we are today. No, none of that happened. In fact, don't use any pickup lines. Um, don't you just, just love God, love people. That's what you need to do. But the title of this message, if you're looking for a subtitle of this message, it is When Heaven Met Earth. When Heaven Met Earth. And when Heaven Meets Earth, it's what we call sacred. It's a sacred place. Where Heaven and Earth meets, it's a sacred place. And so, like, for instance, when God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, God said to Moses, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. This, this, this place where heaven and earth is meeting is sacred. So let me ask you this question. Where do you think the most sacred place on the planet is? Where do you think that is? Where is the most sacred place on the planet? Where do you think it is? For some of us, we might think mm, it's church. Church is sacred. The altar the altar is sacred. Or maybe you think a temple. Now, a temple, that sounds sacred. Obviously, it's a temple. A temple is sacred. Where do you think it is? But whatever we wherever we think, or maybe you think it's 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 the Holy Land and Jerusalem. Maybe that's sacred. But wherever you think the sacred place is, most often we think that's sacred place, but the sacred place is where I am not. Right? We think that, don't we? That is a sacred, that is holy. And I'm not holy. That is sacred. And I'm not sacred. So wherever there is sacred, wherever there is a place that's sacred, it is where I am not. And quite often we think it's because we feel that we're not good enough. We, we feel that we're not worthy. Or maybe maybe we, we'll, we'll try our hardest. We'll try our hardest to, to be worthy, to be holy. And so we try to um, do things like we try. So we try to step towards being worthy or step towards being holy. But the problem with this is that every step we take forward and heading towards being holy, we take two steps back because of all the mess that we find ourselves in, right? We take a step. So we find every step forward, there's two steps back. And maybe the reason why you stop going to church. Maybe the reason why you, you, you stopped turning up or maybe the reason why you stopped believing in God is because you felt unworthy. You tried. You tried to step forward to God, but every step forward, there was two steps back and you could never quite reach, reach what is sacred, reach what is holy. So you thought, well, why even bother? I might as well just give up. I'm just obviously I'm not good enough. That, that is a sacred place and that is where I am not. Or maybe somebody told you you weren't worthy. Maybe someone told you you weren't, too, you weren't worthy enough to enter into this place, whether it be a church or temple, wherever. Maybe someone told you, told you that you weren't good enough. And that's why you don't go to church anymore. That's why you kind of fell out of fellowship. It's because somebody told you you weren't worthy. That is a sacred place. And that is where I am not. 
So when we look in the Bible, we, when we look at the, what the Bible talks about a sacred place, the Bible talks about the temple, the temple in Jerusalem as being a sacred place. Because what is sacred is where heaven and earth meets. That's sacred. Where heaven and earth meets is, is what is sacred, what is holy. And so if you could go back to biblical times, if you can go back to, to, the, to the time when the temple was in Israel, back in biblical times, when you, when you go to Jerusalem, the biggest thing you'll see, the biggest building you'll see is the temple. And the Jewish people believed that, that God's home was in the temple, he, that God lived in the temple. But at the same time, God's home was in heaven. So the temple was kind of a, of a place where heaven and earth overlapped, where heaven and earth meets. Now, the Jewish people, that, that, they didn't really think that, that a building can contain the God of the universe. The temple, the earthly temple was, was sort of like a symbol. It kind of pointed to a time for when God, when God's presence would fill all of creation. That it pointed to a time where all of creation is God's temple where heaven and earth meets. It was pointing to a coming time where God's presence, where God's glory. And when we're talking about the presence of God, the presence of God is, is, is something, that's, it's, it's something that's heavy, that's tangible. The glory of God, the King of glory, right? God's glory will have filled the earth. It was pointing to a time where God's glory will fill the earth. But when we get to the time of Jesus, what's really, really interesting, in fact, the prophets, when you read the prophets in the Bible, it starts talking about that the temple becoming corrupt. The temple in Jerusalem, the temple that was built, uh, was becoming corrupt. So when, when Jesus arrives on the scene, the temple had become corrupt. In fact, let's read with me, if you can, in John chapter 2, verse 13. And um, we'll, we'll get to the verses for you, but we also have the Bible app. I encourage you to use the Bible app that's connected to this live stream. And in John chapter 2, it says this in verse 13. This is talking of Jesus. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others setting up tables, exchanging money. Now, this doesn't sound like where heaven and earth meets, right? It doesn't sound like that. And in fact, what they were doing, they were selling, they were selling these animals at, at excessive prices. And, and, and they were substandard animals, and, and they were exchanging money, and they were making money out of this. It doesn't sound like loving people, like loving God, loving people. It doesn't sound like that at all. So in verse 15, Jesus goes on. So he made a whip. This is Jesus. So Jesus makes a whip out of cords and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Get these out of here. That's, this is Jesus, okay? The loving Jesus. Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market because this is supposed to be a sacred place. This is supposed to be where heaven and earth meets. This was supposed to point to a time when God's presence, God's glory fills the earth, where all of creation becomes God's temple. Now, in verse 18 goes on, the, the Jews, they, they then respond to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? What sign can you show us that you have authority to do this? In verse 19, Jesus answers them. And, and, and the way Jesus and what Jesus says next, he makes a big claim. He makes a huge claim. This is what he says. Destroy this temple and I will, ri I will raise it again in three days. I'll, I'll say that again. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And then they replied. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? <laughs> okay. 
Then he goes on verse 21. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. That's a big claim. That's a big claim. What, so what Jesus is claiming is that he is both heaven and earth in bodily form. This is what he was saying. And verse 22. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples record what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So when did the disciples believe that Jesus was the Messiah? When did they believe that that that, that Jesus was God incarnate? And that wasn't until he was raised from the dead, which is why the resurrection is so important. Uh, and, and what I love about this is that Jesus is making a massive claim. What Jesus is saying is that he is the true temple. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, I am, this is what he said, I am the true temple. I am the true temple. And that's a really big claim. And it got bigger. Because what Jesus started to proclaim, he started to proclaim that, that God's presence, God's glory was filling the world through his own life, his death and resurrection. That he is the temple of God and that God's glory, God's presence will fill all of creation through his life, his death and resurrection. Uh, and you know what? You know how, to, how Jesus proved this? You know how he proved this? He proved this by coming back to life, by raising back to life. His, his resurrection proved it. It proved it. That, that, and not only that, Jesus said that after he rose again, after his resurrection, he said that his followers, that the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of them. That every follower of Jesus, every believer of who he was, that the Holy Spirit will come to live inside of them. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that my followers will become many temples. They will become temples. I want you to let that sink in for a little bit. A sacred place is where heaven and earth meets. And now Jesus is saying that my followers will be like many temples. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. This is the Apostle Paul. He says it like this. And, and it starts off verse 18. This is what it says. Flee from sexual immorality. And you're probably thinking, what, whoa, whoa, where do we go from temple to fleeing from sexual immorality? Just, just hang on with me, okay? Flee from sexual immorality. So this is how this is how you overcome sexual immorality. You don't fight it. You don't fight. Oh, you know, I think I can do this. You know, we're consenting. We're adults. You know, we won't let this temptation come. What the Bible says is flee. Don't fight it. Flee. Because if you put yourself in a position and you think you can fight it, you need to flee. That's how you get get um, get out of this. Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body so jesus taught taught that when we honor people we honor god this is what jesus taught love god love people when we honor people we honor god in fact in the new testament you, you'll find that anytime a person takes from another person every time someone defrauds another person when someone dishonors another person when when someone steals from another person hurts another person that is considered sin so sin is, is what we do to other people. That's considered sin. So when, when you hear Jesus' ministry, when he begins, begins to talk, he says, look, when you begin to dishonor somebody, when you begin to hurt someone else, that's sin. You're dishonoring God. You're hurting God. Because every single person you ever had the potential to hurt is loved by God. Did you know that? Every single person that you have the potential to hurt is loved by God. Let me tell you something. If, if, you, if you mistreat one of my children, 
okay, then me and you, we've got issues, okay? But you could say to me, oh, Ants, Pastor Ants, I love you, Pastor Ants. You're awesome. Man, it's only your, your kid. I just don't like a kid. So I'm going to mistreat them. But hey, we're good. We're good. We're not good. We're not good. You know, you can sing songs to me. You can worship me. You can sit on pews all day. But if you've got an issue with one of my kids, you've got an issue with me. So here's the thing. If you've got an issue with somebody, you've got an issue with God. You can't be, you can't, well, God, I'm going to worship. Oh, I just don't like this person over there. It's okay, but I love you. Hey, that's God's child. And God's saying, if you've got an issue with them, you've got an issue with me. Okay? So sexual sin is any time you do something to potentially hurt another person, which makes it sin. Okay? So when you take from someone something that was intended or promised to someone else, you sin against that person. And the Apostle Paul, he carries on to verse 19. And this is this is where I was really heading. Okay, that was a bit of a side note. This is where we're really heading. Verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So, so Paul shifts the identity from the consequences of sin to identity. He shifts the conversation to identity. That our identity is who we are in Christ, the resurrected Christ. Remember, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. That Jesus is both, both heaven and earth, where heaven and earth meets. Then Paul does something really interesting. He connects what Jesus said with you and I. Do you not know? Do you not know who you are? Do you not know who you are? I'm saying this to you. Do you not know who you are? You are a temple. You are a temple. And you're like, what, a temple? I mean, for most of us, the only time you've ever seen a temple is on, on uh, for me, it was Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the, oh no, that's Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, the Temple of Doom, right? But no, your temple, but temple are sacred, right? Temple's a sacred place. And our society, nothing's sacred. Well, which Paul will say, well, which Paul will say to you is that you're sacred. You're, in fact, you're more sacred than any site on the planet Earth. You're more sacred. Because you're a temple and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are more sacred than the most sacred site on the planet. You remember in the beginning, I asked you, where do you think the most sacred place on the planet is? You know what? It's not a building. It's not a church. It's not a temple. But it's you. You are the most sacred place. And so are the people around you. So are the people around you because, you know, the Bible tells me in Genesis, it says that you are made in the image of God, that you bear the image of God. God made man and woman in his image. We are God's image bearers. You are sacred and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's who you are. We get it wrong because we think that, oh, I can't enter in that place. I'm not sacred. But you are sacred. Do you not know who you are? You are sacred. You're not, you're not a mistake. You didn't just happen. You didn't just evolve. You're not a waste of space, but you're sacred. You're sacred. And so is the people around you. You are holy because you, are, you bear the image of God. And God's spirit lives inside of you. You are sacred. And so are the people around you. Do you know why that's a big deal? The reason that's a big deal is because the value of a container is determined by what it, con what it contains. Did you know that? The value of a container 
is determined by what it contains. Like, for instance, let me give you an example. If I lose my wallet, you know, and someone said, look, I found your wallet, but there's nothing, in, but it was empty. And I said, oh, that's okay. All I wanted was my wallet back. Actually, I don't really care about my wallet, but what's really important to me is what my wallet contains. The value of a container is what it contains. And for me, what's valuable in my wallet, it's not even the money, but it's the picture of my family. That's what's valuable to me. So, and, and so that's what you contain. The value of a container is what it contains. Do you know what you contain? You are God's image bearer. You contain the image of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. You are so sacred. And you know what? Not only, not, not, not only what makes an image, what, what, what something contains that makes it valuable, but Paul goes on. He continues on. He goes on. He says this. He says, you are not your own. And in which you'll say, you'll say something like, well, you know, I'm a grown adult. I can make up my decision. I can do whatever, ever, ever I like. That's who I am. But Paul continues. He says, you are not your own. You, are, you were bought at a price. And be glad that you're not your own. Because ownership determines value as well. Did you know that? Ownership determines value as well. The things that makes a container valuable is what it contains. But ownership determines value as well. Let, let, let me give you an example. This here. This here. Is a rugby jersey. Can you see this rugby jersey? This rug. This here's a rugby jersey. Now, um, in th this rugby jersey, um, you you might look at it. Looks pretty old. Looks kind of tatty. This this jersey was from the seventies. And for for many at you, you're probably like, oh, let's just chuck this away. Let's get a new one. But to me, this is valuable. And the reason why this is valuable is is because of ownership. Who owned this jersey? Now, this jersey was owned by my father. My father played rugby in this jersey and uh and this jersey the club that he played for was my village or in fact my mum's village in the cook islands called titikavika and so my dad played for titikavika and this was his rugby jersey this rugby jersey to me is valuable in fact it's it's priceless and, and it's not because of how much it's worth it's because who owned it and, and that's why it's valuable to me so 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 what happens is is that you, Paul says that you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. So ownership determines value as well. And let me tell you something. You were bought at a price. How much? How much were you bought? You were bought, you know, what did God do for you? What did God pay for you? God sent his son Jesus into the world to die for your sins. That's how valuable you are to God. That God gave up himself, that he can, he blinded himself for humanity and he died on the cross for you. That's how valuable you are. And then he goes on. Therefore, so here's the application. Here's the application. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. And so how do you honor God with your bodies? By honoring all the other bodies around you, by loving God, by loving people that's how you do it you honor those around you and you know what's amazing about that is that no matter what somebody looks like what, what race they come from what they believe is that they are god's image bearers and so we honor we honor god through our bodies by honoring the other bodies around us that god loves you and 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 we need to we need to respect everybody around you love everybody no matter what what color what religion Wherever they are, for they contain the image of God. They are made in God's image. And so can you imagine what our society would look like when we began to, to uh, 
to value people in the way that God values us. That we see people as, as God's sacred image bearers, they who are filled with the Spirit of God. Can you imagine what that looks like? Can you, what, can you imagine what it looks like in lockdown? For, for us on lockdown, and you know, the government tells us this, to be kind. And the best way that we can be kind to one another is to see everybody as being sacred. Because you are sacred, and so is everybody else around you. Everybody else is made in the image of God. So when you're standing in the line to get into the supermarket, don't get frustrated at the people in front of you. Don't get frustrated at the people around you. See them as sacred people who are made in the image of God, who have been filled by the Spirit of God. When you get to the checkout operator, when the checkout operator says to you that in your trolley, there's too many items of the same things, you know, see them as someone who God loves. See them as, as someone who's made in God's image. Can you imagine what our society would look like if we began to see people as being sacred? Because they're more sacred than, uh, than any site on the planet Earth. In fact, every unborn child is sacred. Every unborn child is made in the image of God, so which is why abortion to God, it's the testable in God's sight. Because every life is sacred. They're made in God's image. That you'll be made in God's image. You are sacred. Do you not know who you are? You are a temple. You are filled with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we look at buildings such as churches, when we look at buildings such as temples, they're not sacred. What is sacred are the people around you. See, this is the Bible's vision of the church. The church, which was described as a temple, is that not the building, but the people, the people who are sacred. The church are people. The temple are people. We are sacred. You are sacred. Can, can you imagine what our society will look like when we begin to treat people with the utmost respect because of whose image they bear and who and what they contain, the spirit of the living God. You are sacred and so are the people around you. So how do we, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do we, how do we be, become temples? And how do we receive the temple? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do we become many temples? Simply by receiving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by receiving Jesus, Jesus and who he is. So in John chapter 8, you find this woman who's caught in adultery. And I, and I love this because while this woman is caught in adultery is when she turns to Christ, when she comes to see Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And, and the people that try to, they try to trap Jesus and they, and because according to the law, this woman must be put to death because she was caught in adultery. And I love the, the words that Jesus says to the people around, around this woman. This is what he says. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And with that, all her accusers left. And so when we get to John chapter 8, verse 10, Jesus says this. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And watch this. This is what Jesus says. Neither do I condemn you. Grace. That Jesus gives you grace. He offers you grace. To anybody who would receive him as Lord or Savior, he offers you grace. But he doesn't just leave her there. I love what he says. And then Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Turn away from your sins and follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. The only way, the only way that that you can get out of your mess 
is by following Jesus, by turning to him, saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And when you follow, when you follow Jesus, he will lead you out of your mess. You know, don't get me wrong. You're still going to find, you're still going to find pain. You're going to, you're going to, it's not going to take all your troubles away. But what it means is that God's presence will be with you, that you are not going to be alone. That through Jesus, God's presence will be with you. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you. And you become a mini temple. That You become the most sacred site on the planet. And so when you go through trials, when you go through issues, you know that you are not alone. Because you are sacred. And so are the people around you. Come on, let us pray. So, Father God, we thank you. Thank you that you loved us so much that, that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. That we are a temple where, where your spirit lives with inside of us, that we are sacred. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name.